Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I'm Rob the Cinema Drunkie. I'm Patrick Vicious. And today's episode is all about fire. Fire. <laughs> fire. <laughs> you would have a very Beavis place on that. <laughs> I, I remember, uh, what was it, when, when I texted you the, 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 the idea for the, for the pairing <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's a it's a fire episode. Get it? It's like, yes, yes, I fucking get it, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> My exact yeah. response was the Chevy Chase in uh, Christmas Vacation gif. Uh, all right, that's enough of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like no, because uh, uh, I was watching the burning, and uh, it it just hit me right there. Like, hmm. This makes a lot. Well, you know, St. Patrick already opened the doors for the, the logical conclusion to come to something like spontaneous combustion, where, uh, like, it, you know, it's it's monster because it's got mad sciencey stuff in it, and uh, I'm like, yeah, that works, that tracks, and like, he 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 agreed, even though he was just like, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> what was what was uh. What was it? What was the next thing you said? It was like I I I don't want to do an episode where you're fully erect the entire time. <laughs> I said it wasn't safe for you to have said, "Well, you were fully erect the entire time." It's yeah. not, Rob. It's not safe. You should be calling him a doctor right now. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. But yeah, um, the first uh the first film on on this uh, this double is uh 1981's The Burning, uh. And and this is going to be weird because me and Patrick were talking off mic and uh, we were talking a little bit about the burning and he was like, he's like, yeah, you know, this guy, it's got issues and I'm like, I I just it's, uh, if we were if we were if we, if we were texting he'd immediately get the Adam Sandler gif. I disagree. Um, yes, uh, I've stated this numerous times. I'm going to state this again, which is probably going to drive him nuts. Um, but. Uh, now I think this is one of the, the all-time great slasher films. I think it is the perfect slasher film. I mean, it doesn't drive me nuts. I think that you're deranged, but that's fine. <laughs> no, because, you know, me me and Patrick have mentioned many times about uh, the structure of slasher movies, particularly our love for, like, uh, the classic uh, three-act structure of, uh, um, for perfect example, Halloween, which this one does. Um, and I think this one does it beautifully. Uh, it, 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 it does that classic, uh, Halloween structure, you know what I'm saying? With, we introduce our villain in the first act, uh, we introduce our victims, uh, you know, heroes in the second act, and then in the third act, worlds collide, uh, in a, in a bloody mess. Uh, this one, like, like Friday 13th before it, uh, introduces, uh, gore, particularly by uh, the great Tom Savini, uh, who actually turned down doing Friday the 13th Part 2 to do this. Uh, not, wait, not... wait, wait. This isn't Friday the 13th Part 2? That's what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know uh, we should also note uh, this was the first uh, Miramax film. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, it was the first film by uh, the Weinsteins and just blah. And just get that out of the way because you know okay the only thing i will say is um as much as the wine scenes are pieces of shit and that goes without saying yes. <laughs> as much as that is the truth i do think 
they did a lot for horror as we know it. Um, and that can't go without saying. Like, I feel like to just pretend that they had no impact other than negative um, is disingenuous because they are also the guys, and granted, yes, they eventually shit can and fucked it up, but they are the guys who released fucking Scream. They are the guys who were responsible for like with three dimension films through a lot of our favorite movies, like growing up. And like, I, it's like, so, and this is, this is, this is the first one. And it's like, I definitely don't think that despite them being awful human beings, that their work is bad. Like this is, I think is a fair example, but I think it would eventually obviously get better because you have like scream. But um, I do think that their producing work in many cases is good. And I think especially in terms of horror, a lot of it's very good. So like, yes, they are shitty and yes, blah is fair. But I do feel like you have to like kind of give some degree of credit for what they did to the genre. Yeah, but then you have to take it back because then you remember what they did to uh, Del Toro no, they, on Mimic. No, they fucked. They fucked him. They fucked up Scream. Everything. They, they, I'm not saying that they are great. I am just saying like they, I'm not saying that they're without flaw. Like because they definitely. I'm not saying their track record is in any way spotless. I'm just saying. The fact that, like, there are so many great fucking movies, especially great fucking horror movies, released under their um, tenure yeah. deserves mention in a positive light, despite them being horrible people and shitty to work for. Like, unless you're Quentin Tarantino. Um, so, like, I just wanted to get that out of the way. No, nah, yeah, yeah uh, I, I, I can see that. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, technically the first Miramax film. Um, they, uh, I, I've, I've heard it stated that uh, when they were putting this together, people was like, "Oh, this is like Friday the Thirteenth," and they were, like, "Well, we had this uh, before Friday the Thirteenth. We just weren't, you know, like it's a crack of shit, and you know it." Um, like Sean Cunningham, you saw dollar signs and it's like let's 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 get some of that pie, and you did. I mean, granted, it it didn't make a buku money like Friday the Thirteenth. Um, also, I guess considering the fact that Friday the Thirteenth Part Two also came out the year this was released. Um, I mean, like this came out in the uh, the 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 golden year of slashers, nineteen eighty one, and this was one of. I, 28 or 29 different uh slasher movies that were released that year alone uh like like i said uh friday 13 part 2 halloween 2 my bloody valentine uh count, countless films so um this was one that uh i think got lost in the shuffle because uh it, it didn't really do that well but it has since uh has gone on to become known as one of the the classics of the genre and i i i do think that at home is probably the best one. Um, no, no, I, I say that because, as as I've stated uh, during our many discussions on many of the Friday the Thirteenth movies we covered, like my problem with that series has always been uh, the, the 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 main characters are 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 victims per se, and like up until a certain point, like 
the, the, the characters are thoroughly obnoxious. And like I, I have no sympathy for them. Uh, Patrick doesn't uh, really mind that because uh, he just sees them as cannon father, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I like, eh, but and also I don't dislike. I think I I like uh, the characters in Friday Thirteenth Part One, um, with the exception of um, that one um, with oh. the with the uh, in the uh, Native American headdress. Um, I don't yes. like him. Um, but like, and I like the characters in Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Well, at least most of them. There's a lot of characters in Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Um, but um, I mean, as it goes on, like there are ones where I don't care. Like it's like I mean, like New Blood. Yeah, I don't care because like, I was like I don't care about any of them. But it's fine because yeah, they're gonna get murked. So like, what, what fucking difference does it make to me? But like, I'm not gonna say it's like I'm not saying you're saying like it's like an across the board thing, and I don't think that's a, entirely fair. No, yeah, like, like as as the series go goes on, the the the, the characters get better. Like, uh, I was just recently watching part three, and uh, I, I love all the characters in in that. Um, and I think I think I think that See, works. You, in... you, like, you and Scott, like, it was like in like in defense of three, and I'm just like, uh, I don't dislike three, but I ain't stretch the imagination. I think three is fine. Um, but like, I just like to me that's 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 actually a really good example of one where it's like, I don't care about. Like, I there's honestly. Two girls in that movie who I don't know the difference. Like when one died, I genuinely was like, I thought that she was also the final girl. So like when she came back, I was like, didn't what? Like I was just like, I was so confused because they were so nondescript. Like the only memorable character in that movie, well, okay, uh, the biker gang and Shelly. Shelly are all that I remember from that entire movie as far as the characters go. It's funny too because Shelley is probably the most important character, not only in in the in in that film but in the franchise. <laughs> Aside from Jason himself, um, but like I also think that that is because there there are fewer characters in three. You know what I'm saying? So like there's a lot more focus on them. You know what I'm saying? A lot of a lot of times in, in slasher movies, there's too many characters. You know what I'm saying? So so the focus is like you know broken <laughs> this up. Kind of, this is kind of an example. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but like this to me is a perfect example to have a lot of characters in there and like you know just actually doing well with them. You know what I'm saying? Because there there is a lot of of like it's 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 different from the Friday Thirteenth franchise because they're actually campers in uh <laughs> on here. Like it's usually the counselors. In I Friday mean, to be 13th. fair, in the Friday Thirteenth movies, that yes, because yes, these are campers. Um, but these men and women are very clearly men and women. So to be fair, the Friday 13th people were being more realistic where they were like, well, yeah, this is clearly a 25 year old man. So casting him as a 15 year old camper is going to be a hell of a fucking stretch. So maybe let's not have Jason Alexander play a camper. Um, whereas this movie is like, yeah, no, let's have balding Jason Alexander play a 16 year old. It's fine. No one, no one will know the difference. It's fine. No, but at least he had more hair than fucking uh, Ned Eisenberg, uh, Eddie. Um, that man was definitely looking like he was in his thirties. You know what I'm saying? Playing a camper. You know what I'm saying? But they're 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 all entertaining. Like you know, yes. considering the fact that like that's what that's what I I appreciate the most about this movie is that uh, like I I don't find any one of them annoying. Um, uh, Jason Alexander is in there and he's great. Uh, Ned Eisenberg is great uh, as uh, the asshole Eddie. Uh, my favorite character in, in his there, late fifties, la- playing a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my favorite character in this movie is actually uh, 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 Glazer, 
played by uh, Larry Joshua because he's the one who has like a thorough uh, character arc and all that stuff um, before he gets brutally murdered. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, like I, I love all the characters in this movie. Like uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I, I didn't see it uh, when I was young. I saw this when I was a full grown adult um, when it came out on DVD um mgm released uh this on dvd and uh i remember watching i must have been like somewhere in my 20s because i think it came out 2007 on dvd um and i I remember like you know everyone lost their fucking minds they're releasing the burning on dvd oh my god oh my god this is is a great day so basically everyone in your life is janine from ghostbusters (laughs) Pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I watched it. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is this is wonderful. Like, there's also like a genuine, uh, uh, surprising plot twist, and, and it's weird because uh, it's not um, in in you know in relation to the killer. Um, it's like it's funny enough. It's almost kind of like uh, uh, a film that turns the slasher genre on its ear. Like when the slasher genre was like finally becoming a thing. Because uh, you know, but but like the the tropes of the genre were literally taking form as this film was like playing with them. Like uh, there is no final girl. The the you know what I'm saying Brian Backer is basically the the first final boy, uh, which is, is still to this day is a rare thing. Yeah, in, uh, slashers. You know, the 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 asshole jock bully. Is like is actually like oh like he's actually you know not not really a bad guy like when you think about oh well he's dead so it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying uh, uh, it, like everything is just like like turned on his ear before like like the, like like the cliches of the genre were really like was you know just starting to take form and this movie was like yeah we're not gonna do none of that we're gonna we're gonna do like the opposite of that and uh, like I I thought that was really fucking rad and of course um. The, the the biggest star of this film, Tom Savini, uh, and his effects, um, particularly the uh, the the iconic uh, raft sequence. Well, that thing is uh, funny. You mentioned like the whole like the way the structure is. It, it actually kind of defies the structure because of that sequence. Because basically, the way the structure is usually set up is basically like if you look at Halloween's the example, it's like basically like you establish the killer, you have him basically kill a person, kill a person. Yeah. Like it's, it's very like boom, 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 boom until the end. And this is like <laughs> orgy of blood and guts in the middle of the movie, and then goes back to that structure, and which is so fucking weird, I think. Um, but no, that is like the, by far the best scene in the movie. Like when like, because also I do think the thing is like the thing that's funny about like uh, the the, the Cropsy um, as a killer, even though I have to talk about that more in depth. Um, but like the thing I think is, is like that um, they gave him the uh, garden shears weapon, which do seem menacing like but like i feel like would be a difficult weapon to use as a like as a murder weapon um but uh when you see him use it like where he like cuts off Fisher Stevens' fingers which looks fucking great and then um like they have like the iconic shot where he like lifts it up and like it's like the like the glinting like the sun's glinting off it all of that shit is fucking great and that's, that's why i was like to your point i was like Tom Savini is not like what like Tom Savini is the star of the movie like it's yeah. like to a I think qualifiable extent like it's just like like by far the best part of the movie I feel like is the effects 
Like, so it's like, I all credit to Tom Savini. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, that, that, that rap sequence. Like, because I remember, like, because this goes all the way back to IMDb message boards. And, like, people's like, oh, the rap sequence. Oh, the rap sequence. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, you guys are kind of pushing it. You know, I'll see for myself. And I saw it. I'm like, it was exactly, you know, as great as y'all described it. This, 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 this is wonderful. Cause like, and uh, I dispute that it's not in the middle of the movie. Uh, it actually is like I think that sequence is what starts off the third act. Um, is because we we do spend quite a bit of time with the campers before uh, uh, anything really. I mean, uh, as the movie starts off, uh, we introduce our villain Cropsy, um, who is uh, accidentally set on fire by some campers, and then uh, we well, get to... the thing about Cropsy that I think is interesting is like. Um... Cause that's the whole thing is like when they when they talk about the whole thing of like the wine scenes and like them thinking of it first, um, I don't doubt to some extent that being true, because um, I do know because I don't know if you ever watched the uh, Cropsy documentary. Um, mm. It's actually it's it's a pretty good documentary. Um, but um, it basically because I remember because um, it wasn't really it was weirdly kind of centralized to Long Island, um, from what I understand. Um, but there was like a whole fucking urban legend about like the killer in Long Island that was Cropsy. And um, not only did this movie do it, I think it was the same year, maybe the year before. I don't remember. Maybe the year, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's within a year. But um, also, Madman was um, also based on Cropsy. But because they were both coming out around the same time, they had to change it in Madman to not seem derivative. Yeah. Um, but like that's the thing is like that is a like an urban legend that really existed. Like I remember like that thing is like and people I think still believe it to this day. Um, cause in the um in the Cropsy documentary, they had asked people and like people like were like they they people are still being told that story. Yeah. Like 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 as if it's reality. Um, even though if you watch the documentary, like they kind of get to the actual root of the the story, and it's 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 fucked up, but it's not at all what people are passing down at this point from generation to generation. Um, But using Cropsy as a villain is kind of genius because it's like you end up having somebody that actually has like, it's, it's, it's almost like if Freddie or Jason or Michael Myers was an actual like campfire story. Yeah. Like if he's actually like, like, like urban folklore, um yeah. so like i think that, that actually makes it gives it something extra where it's like you can almost believe if you believe the cropsy story is real you could also believe this movie is real no nah, yeah totally totally um but yeah he gets uh set on fire and uh at least one of my favorite sequences in in the film where uh the orderly is is showing the new doctor around and he's trying to show him cropsy and he delivers a line the, the, he's burned so bad he's cooked a fucking big mac overdone you know what i'm saying and it's just like you know you know for years people was like I, i've seen people say that uh they they thought that was lawrence fishburne <laughs> i mean uh, i guess he's playing uh, a similar role that he played in um nightmare on c3 yeah yeah I, I think that's what people were confusing probably yeah yeah like they thought that uh they were confusing uh, lawrence fishburne from nightmare 3 for this and i'm just like they don't even look alike how the fuck you know what i'm saying just but whatever you know it's this good old-fashioned racism you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> like just like you people are fucking morons um but then like yes yeah, it's just like you know i mean to uh, be fair 
there are many white people that I confuse for being the same character in many movies that I've watched. You literally, <laughs> you, you literally just did with Friday yes. 3. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yes, there probably is an element of racism, but there also is an element of, like, um, interchangeability, I guess, um, yeah. in, in the horror genre. So, like, that's probably also a factor. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then uh, uh, five years later, he's released, and uh, he's released onto the world. And the first thing he does is kill a prostitute brutally. Um, so it's like, yeah, as you like, do in New York in the nineteen eighties. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, <right> a <of> passage. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the the first thing he's got. He's got to murder some prostitutes. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, hey, prostitute, Rob, just pace yourself. You just want to. Well, we don't know. Legend, you want to kill a prostitute? Well, we don't know if Cropsey went out there and just went on a murder spree with, like, you know, the, the entire uh, prostitution ring on uh, 42nd Street. Exactly. You're questioning <laughs> it, which means that he built a mystique. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, like, after that, like, you know, it has that classic, like, you know, introduction to our villain. You introduce, you introduce him and his backstory. You establish him as a threat. And then you unleash him upon, unleash him upon the world. And then um, the second act, we just, like, I mean, like... That's the first, what, five, ten minutes of the movie, and then the next 40, 50 minutes is just us hanging around with these kids. Um, we, we, uh, Alfred, the, the, the weirdo, uh, played by uh, Brian Becker from uh, yep. Moving Violations uh, and uh, Police Academy 4 frame. Um, what? What, what, am, what Wait, am I missing? We're talking about, we're talking about a different guy? Because, I mean, I thought we were talking about uh, the guy from Fast Times. Is that not the same guy? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, him, yeah, yeah, him as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Same guy. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like Fast Times, uh, the most iconic film in the 1980s. That was not your fucking. That, that, that was your afterthought. What the I, fuck is your problem? I, I like no. I immediately went to Movie Violations and Police Academy Four because that's where I've seen him more often. Like, like, like I, I love Fast Times, but I have not seen Fast Times often. I've seen Fast Times maybe like a few times in my life. Um, but, the, I mean, because WPIX used to show it all the time. Um, so I've seen it, but like, I've definitely, like, I was more into HBO where they show Police Academy 4 and Moving Violations all the fucking time. And I love those movies. So it's just like, when I think of Brian Backer, I think of Moving Violations and Police Academy 4. Also specifically because, um, Tony Hawk was, uh, one of the skating doubles on Police Academy 4, and he was also there to train uh, the actors to skate, and he has stated that Brian Becker absolutely 100% did not want to learn how to skate. So it's like all his skating scenes were, were a double, where some um, David Spade was really into it and actually did a lot of his own skating. Um, but Brian Becker was like, nah, fuck that, dude. I, I, I don't care. I don't, I, I don't want to be on the skateboard. <laughs> and you could tell, like, Tony Hawk is still, like, annoyed by that. That guy did not want to learn how to skate. That guy did not want to do any skating. And it's like, Tony Hawk has that air of, like, you know, Tony Hawk's one of the nicest guys ever, but he has that air of, like, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, this is definitely, I think, like, a New York production because, uh, 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 like I said, um, you had uh, Fisher Stevens in in there as well, who's you know very well known uh, New York actor. Um, uh, I, I think know he's from New York. Um, but to be fair, I also didn't know he was not Indian until much later in life. <laughs> like because Short Circuit was the first thing I saw him in. Yeah. And so like when I found out they just browned up a white guy, that was a deeply concerning moment in my life. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, it's like it's the same fucking thing about uh, Jeff. I think it was Wright. when I saw um, when I saw Hackers that I was just like, wait, is that the same guy? Wait, he's not Indian? What the fuck? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, like I said, it was like the same thing when I discovered Jeffrey Wright was not Dominican. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying after I seen him in Shaft, you know, it's just like. Yeah, because I love Short Circuit, uh, Short Circuit Two, and it's just like, oh, I love this guy, and it's wait, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they just, it's, Jesus Christ, fucking Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Were there not any Indian actors that you could have cast? You know, and I know he he actually is regrets actually doing that. He's like, you know, I should I shouldn't have done that shit. Also, like, uh, to know that his name is not Fisher Stevens, his name is Stephen Fisher. But there was okay. already a Stephen yeah. Fisher. Well, that's the way, like, like uh, fucking Michael J. Fox's real name is Michael A. Fox. But, like, yeah. it was just like, well, I can't be that. So I guess I'm just going to make him a fucking middle one digital. Yeah, and, uh, like, Michael God Keaton. God bless is... SAG. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Keaton, his real name is actually Michael yep. Douglas. But there was already Michael Douglas. <laughs> right, right. You see what I'm saying? So... A very specific Michael Douglas. <laughs> no, there was actually two because there was the, the Mike Douglas, the, the uh, uh, television show host and then there was michael douglas so he just and i think what was it he was a fan of diane keaton so like he just chose keaton um but yeah but like fisher stevens is wild because he just like switched his name around to to, to, to fisher stevens like you know his name is stephen fisher um it's like uh one of my favorite character actors is uh patrick kilpatrick you know what i'm saying his real name is robert kilpatrick but um, I don't know if there was an actual Robert Kilpatrick. <laughs> he or... wanted to add more Patrick to his name. His right. name was missing 50% Patrick, and he was just not a fan of that. Like, it, that that was deeply concerning to me to find that out, that his, his real name is not Patrick, but it made him all the more awesome to me. This is that he had to choose a stage name. His last name is Kilpatrick, so he was like, I'm going to go with Patrick. Patrick Kilpatrick. Like, he literally went with the same. I'm basically fucking... going to make my name Patrick Patrick. But with a tiny change. <laughs> yeah, the little LED change in the middle, it's not the same. <laughs> but yeah, um, also, uh, she, she doesn't really have any lines, but uh, also like an uh, early appearance from Holly Hunter in there. What yeah. um, uh, she's, she, I don't know, like she may have been uh, acting in New York, but she's definitely not a New York actress. Um, especially with that accent. Um, <laughs> really? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I thought I th- that was a Brooklyn accent, Rob. Are you telling me that's wrong? <laughs> that's probably why they didn't give her any lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, um, I, I believe Larry Joshua uh, was was a New York actor. Um, he was he was mostly uh, like I always know him from. Uh, he's one of the corrupt cops and. James Glickenhaus, uh, uh, action masterpiece Shakedown with uh, Peter Weller and Sam Elliott. But he was also in the, the Little Miss Dangerous episode of uh, Miami Vice uh, from the second season where he is uh, the obsessed guy who's in love with the, the crazy girl that's in, uh, obsessed with tubs. And like, and, but she like murders people. Um, that, 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 that's, that's, that's also the episode that uh, introduced uh, the, uh, the, the Order of Death uh, song in there. This is what you want. This is what you get. This is what you want. This is what you get. Like, um, and now we're getting sued. I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, please don't sue us. <laughs> we have nothing. <laughs> 
Um, there's also like uh the girl that plays Barbara, um, who was uh basically because like the, all the dudes, obviously, you know, the dudes in the camp are trying to get with chicks. Um, Glazer famously trying to get with Sally, um, which is like my probably my favorite uh. Uh, part of the, like the story, like between the characters in the, in the entire movie, is Glazer and Sally. Um, but um, Jason Alexander's character, he's uh, he's got his thing with uh, Barbara. Like, it, like it's it's it, you know, if you're not, I've I've seen this movie godly a number of times, so I always notice this. But uh, if you don't really notice, if you're not really paying attention, that like they're supposed to be a thing. Um, like when they go into like to have like dinner and and uh and like you know. The mess hall, whatever the fuck you, I guess. You know, I don't know. I've never been to summer camp, so I, I can't, uh, I can't relate. So I'm just guessing. Um, my parents are definitely weren't letting me go into the fucking woods and shit. <laughs> they, they, they saw the Friday woods the... of Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're not allowed to go to Long Island. You understand me? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. The woods are a terrifying place. Um. But like when we like he he's talking to her and like they they're clearly flirting with each other and shit. So it's like oh they're a thing, and then she's one of the people to get brutally murdered on the fucking raft. Um, but like yeah she she to this day she's still a, a New York stage actor. So like there's quite a few of a uh, quite a few uh, New York uh, actors in in this movie. Um, uh, I, I'm not I don't know about uh, the, the 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 main female counselor uh, Leah Aries. Uh, is I believe her name like most famously from uh, the the love interest from Bloodsport, uh, the one the the one who annoys me greatly. I can't stand her <laughs> in Bloodsport. Um, she, she she's the one who tells uh, 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 Frank Dukes that uh, uh, like don't fight. I don't want to see you get hurt. You know he says, and then don't watch. And then they get into an argument. She's like, oh, like uh, go ahead. I'm not gonna sit around and watch it. Like what did he just say? He's, <laughs> if you don't like it, don't watch. And she's like, oh, I'm not gonna watch it. Like. Bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes and snitches on him to, to to the police, and it almost ruins the kumite. So so like every time I see her in this movie, it's like I can't stand you. Almost ruined it for Frank Dukes. But then it's like maybe it would have been a good thing because Frank Dukes is an actual piece of shit. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't want to break this to you, Rob, but the kumite not real. <laughs> like Frank Dukes, not a honest human being. Now just uh, like. He just he's a, he's a real son of a bitch. I don't know what to tell you here. I'm sorry to have broken your hearts and burst your bubble. But unfortunately, Frank Dukes, not good guy. Not upstanding citizen. No, especially after all that shit, he talked to the dragon. Like, boy, you better calm down for the dragon and beat your ass. You know what I'm saying? We all know he can. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I I really love all the interactions with, with, with the the... the the teens um <laughs> air quotes is appropriate yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because they're, they're they're all clearly middle-aged people <laughs> like like uh, teens. <laughs> like like, like to, for an example uh uh glazer who is like the bully he's one of the campers is actually older than the guy who played todd <laughs> like, oh, i'm the, sure I would guess he's older than the guy who played Cropsey. <laughs> I would guess he's older than Tom Savini. <laughs> they were, they were, they were in the back somewhere, fucking having brewskis and smoking joints. <laughs> and 
and no, taking yeah. back pills probably. Who can say? Who knows what they were doing? <laughs> but yeah, particularly Savini, because uh, I, I think he uh, he did couples uh, like not just the makeup, but he did a couple stunts as well. Like the the burning uh, in the opening sequence, the, the the shot of the legs on fire were actually Savini's legs on fire. Um, he, he actually like because you know Savini loved to document his works and. Uh, he had like a video camera that he would like record and all that stuff. And like he, he had a recorded where he was just like fiddling around on the bed, you know, with the legs on fire. And then when he wants to signify like, yeah, this is getting too hot. Like put my fucking legs out. He would just cross them. And like, but like he did, he did it in a way and shit that was just like, da, 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 da. And then I crossed him. And then I'm just sitting there waiting for everybody to put my legs out. And he's just sitting there just chilling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, the, the funny enough is that uh, one of the kids in here, like I, I thought uh, for, uh, when I first saw it was um, Jason Lively. Um, and he is not, but uh, damn well could be his brother. Um, I know there are a lot of Livelys out there. Uh, I was going to say, I think Lively was like way too young at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been an actual believable child. So, like, they, they couldn't have him. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the, I think the only one who's believable as a child was uh, uh, the girl who played Tiger, who was actually... Um, well, Fisher uh, Stevens isn't bad. Like, he looks young enough that I buy it. Like, but he's the only one. <laughs> who, uh, Stevens? Yeah, Fisher Stevens is the only one that I buy. Like, because it's like, the rest of them are very clearly adults. Yeah. Um, but he looks like I could buy him being not like a child child, but like I buy him being like in his like late teens. Yeah. Like he's definitely like a guy like a 16, 17 at least. Yeah. Um, vibe to him. Like everyone else is a group. Well, like him and um I, I think that the girl played Tiger was an actual teenager. She was uh most famous for being uh one of the uh, uh little orphan Annie on uh Broadway. Another New York actor then. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was her claim to fame and shit. It's like, and it's funny enough and shit. It's like, the, the first time you see it, it's like, girl looks like fucking little orphan Annie. And then, oh, she was little orphan Annie. <laughs> I mean, so is Sadie Sink of Fear Street, nineteen seventy eight. So, like, there you go. It's there's there's a connection between summer camp horror films. <laughs> yeah, and, and and little orphan Annie actors. <laughs> yes, it's a very specific connection, but it's a thing. Like uh, no, no, no makers of uh, Fear Street. That, that was probably done on purpose. I mean, probably <laughs> just because Sadie Sink was under contract to Netflix is probably the, honestly the whole reason. But yeah, no. My only thing. Okay, I will just say like, that I feel like, like your pounding erection like is probably gonna hurt you in the very near future. So I'm just gonna like try to like I'm gonna make it a little like you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna soften you up a little bit. Um, my thing is uh that's the guy issues is um for one thing it is similar to uh you might just just take just take off the just take off the headphones um for, for a little bit um is um i have a similar thing to this that i have that's why when you said it was like the best i like was just aghast um is uh, i have a similar thing with this as i do with um Prom night, and actually, uh, also like anyone, um, my way Valentine, where um, I definitely think like it. There are some dragon ass motherfucking parts of this, um, like especially like um, in like the middle, and then like, basically like whenever like there isn't copious murder happen. That's actually why like the orgy of murder. Um, if they'd actually broken up all of those deaths. 
into like just peppering them throughout the film, it might actually feel like it was paced better to me. Um, because as it exists right now, I like I don't okay, I should make it very clear. I liked the burning. I own the burning. I think the burning is a cool movie. So like I'm in no way shitting on the burning. But I definitely think like the pacing is off. Like there's definitely some dragon ass fucking parts. Um and also um the fact that like <laughs> this is a movie that like I, okay, it's admirable that they want me to care enough about these characters that I want to spend a lot of time with them, um, which I spend so much time with them. Um, but it's while it is admirable, it is not something that happened. Um, none of them do I particularly care about or even like that much. Um, I really just want to see them murdered, and they're really fucking taking their time to get there. Like the only one that's like um, I feel like um, sympathetic is uh rat from um fast times um i think alfred sure um (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) i think that he is sympathetic because he's playing as a guy who clearly has something going on like there's some sort of like there's something wrong with him whether it's trauma that's been buried whether like he's somehow like mentally ill whether he is on the spectrum whatever the fuck there's clearly something up with that dude and that makes him sympathetic um so he i is a character that i kind of do engage with um and i do kind of like jason alexander because he's jason alexander and therefore you know he's george like who doesn't love jason alexander even though like, I can't not look at him and be like, that man is very clearly not a child. That man, if he was even too close to children, someone would call the police. Like, he is not a, he is not a young man in this. So, like, it's off-putting. Uh, but not as off-putting as um, the, the bully, uh, Glazer, I guess you said. Um, yeah. Weird name. Um, but, um... I, he has not a single redeeming quality. Like, so it's like, if you're trying to make me care about these characters, um, that dude, you have most assuredly failed and therefore should have killed him off much earlier because he is really contributing nothing positive of value to the proceedings because that dude just sucks. Just sucks. No, like, it's, it's like, yeah, initially he sucks, but like there's actually real depth to him. Uh, like in contrast to like Eddie, like um, see, because it's the Eddie and and uh, Glazer, like like obviously the two, old, which is uh, Glazer in real life was actually the oldest on set, you know, say amongst the everybody. Yes. He's <laughs> late fifties, like, I understand. <laughs> he was actually older than Todd, who played the main the main uh, the the. He was older counsel. than George Burns, actually, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but um. He he is he is the bully. Um, like he particularly picks on Alfred as, as well as everybody else, uh, but mainly Alfred because he finds Alfred weird and like you know I don't blame him. Um, <laughs> but um, but, but um, like it's clear that he's doing all of this to impress Sally. He's got a he's got a thing for Sally. Loves Sally. 
Sally, you know, Sally's got, you know, the, the, the big boobies and, and, and he likes her, you know what I'm saying? Like, so there, there's that essence that like, that's what Glazer wants. He, he wants to have sex with Sally, you know, he can, he's continually trying to have sex with Sally, like almost to the point of being date rapish, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, not, no, 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 (laughs) like not almost to that point. (laughs) Like he's like one GHB capsule away. Like, so it's like, I guess almost is accurate, but barely just barely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do know that she she wants to she wants to do it with him too, but like you know, she just you know fuck fucking with him. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, he's very clearly a bit aggressive. You know what I'm saying? In in his uh you know uh trying to to get into Sally's pants, and then later on they sneak off from the camp and they do engage in in, in sexual activity, and uh, my man it lasts uh, like gl- two seconds. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, yes. Glazer is a two pump jump. You know what I'm saying? And I like how like. She starts ragging on him, like, was that all? And he's just like, oh yeah, so like he's doing the, oh I'm sorry, I just I, I just like you so much, and da, 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 da. you know, and uh, uh like it, I guess you want to go back to camp. She was like, yeah, let's sit by the fire because you ain't do much to warm me up. <laughs> and like, no, but like here here's here's the thing, here's the thing. Why I love this movie It's like, you can see like the quiet devastation in Glazer's face. It's like, damn. You know, like I kind of, I kind of blew it here, and then like you realize, yes, he did in fact blow it. Yes, that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> blew it way too early. You know, no, but like there, you realize that it's, 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 uh, all like all the tough guy bullshit is really an act, and it's like he genuinely likes Sally. Like you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like oh, like yeah, I'm a tough guy, and I only use lubricated rubbers. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, like like he's like the the like the the macho male and shit as, and then, as, as you say when you're presenting yourself as a tough guy i'm a tough guy i only use lubricated rubber yeah you know and uh like he's clowning on them for looking at dirty magazines um which he probably should have because it would have made it would have made it less sensitive <laughs> yeah um but then you realize oh this is this is all bullshit this is all that he really likes sally you know what i'm saying and like he's 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 devastated that he disappointed her, and she I guess she knows she she obviously notices that because he was like all right you know we could go back she was like no we could stay here and then he's excited because it's like hey like you know you really mean that she was like yeah like you know like oh you know they they're having a connection it's just like yeah he's he's full of shit but like you know he's a sweet guy he really likes me so like yeah we could maybe actually work with something here and then they both get murdered <laughs> yes. Like I love his death scene, by the way, uh, Glazer. Even though it's just like, oh, they killed. Like you know, as he he was developing into an actual person, you know, like the, the, like and that's the, that's what I love about the movie is that they present him to you as the bully and then develop him into like as an actual person, and then they fucking murder him, which is what you know the beauty of slash movies is like they. You know, they they hang on to the characters, and you know what I'm saying they, they portray them in a way where it's just like you grow with them, and you sympathize with them, and you resonate with them to a point, and then you brutally murder them, and then that's where it's like, you know, it's 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 it's, it's just like I always said, like I was telling you before, it's just like imagine watching the Breakfast Club, and then after the 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 big circle discussion scene, fucking Michael Myers shows up and starts stabbing them all to death, and shit, you'd be devastated, you know, what I'm saying because you sat with these characters along and you've grown to actually like them and see them as people and then that's it they're dead and that that's exactly what happened there and that, that's why i feel like it's like it's perfect and like you know also cross that with uh the character of eddie 
who, who who's presenting himself as a nice guy, but is actually an asshole. You know what I'm saying? And then like he chases off the girl and shit, and then like you know, promptly she 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 gets murdered, and then he gets his comeuppance on the fucking raft and shit. Where he's the one that gets stabbed through the through the neck. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it's just it's I, I feel like that's what reasons why I find this movie like as wonderful as it is. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like. It like in contrast to Friday Thirteenth, which just saw like things in in other slasher movies at that point, or like Giallo, it was just like, oh, like this worked there, this worked there, this worked there. We're we're gonna put that into our movie and shit with just like no real care or anything, but just because we saw it in other movies and it worked. This one was like, yeah, like we're gonna actually work on these characters. We were just actually create like you know rapport between them, like you know, and hire actual good actors. Uh, not to say anything about Kevin Bacon, um, he, <laughs> like he's, he's the only real actor of Friday the Thirteenth. Well, you know, to be like, fair, even the annoying one, I think I don't think he's a bad actor. Like I think he's fine. Like he's just annoying as fuck as a character. But like yeah, I don't think yeah, he's a bad that, actor. That's why he sucks. Um, <laughs> I, I don't find anyone in here annoying. Um, I, I find all of them great. Uh, the, the, so it's like like uh, Fisher Stevens is Woodstock. You know what I'm saying? Um, when he meets like and he's got like the most grotesque death, uh, like I mean not not his death is like he's the one who gets his fingers cut off, but when they they find his floating body later and that 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 great jump scare, uh, where he's got like fucking like uh uh half of his scalp missing, and and like you know he's got like eyeball hanging out if if, if I remember correctly, and he's got the dead man's float thing like he pops up out of the water like. Aah! And 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 bloodsport ladies just like oh my god no, you know what I'm saying? I like how I like how Karopsy basically left uh, Jason Alexander is like the only dude left, uh, like amongst the because he Karopsy killed everybody else on the raft. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody left. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean there is Alfred and uh, Todd, but um, like as amongst the group and shit, uh, uh, Jason Alexander is the only one left. And uh, uh, a silent Holly Hunter because she has no lines in this movie. Um, they were trying to cover up that accent. Um, uh, I did want to talk about Todd though, because okay. uh, I, I mentioned um, earlier that there was a, a, a plot twist in here that genuinely shocked me. But it's like, like usually in plot twists in movies, like 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 slasher movies, are reserved for the killer, like the reveal of the killer, like <gasps> it was them all along. And a lot of the times. Um, like we we are, we know who the fuck it is. Like you know, a couple ways in. Like <laughs> me and Patrick had this conversation many times. Where it's just like, yeah, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> I know it's you, motherfucker. Like especially especially like when when there's a red herring character in there. Where it's just like I know it's not you because they're pushing you too hard to 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 be the killer. So it's obviously this person. You know, saying who is the killer, not you. And they have no red. Well, I mean, we know from from the jump who the killer is. Yeah. So it's just like we're not expecting a plot twist here, you know. And then we do get one, and then the fact that uh, the main uh, male counselor Todd was one of the the, the campers who set uh, accidentally set Cropsy on fire, and like uh, I, I the first time I saw it, I was genuinely uh, shocked by that. Like when when um the during the climax and like I guess the old steel mill or uh, whatever the fuck it was. 
and um <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then like you know you're flashing back to to that moment. And like all the oh, like all the boys are like oh yeah we're gonna get Cropsy back and it's like what about you Todd and it's like oh shit it was Todd he did it he was the one who set Cropsy on fire and it's just like and uh, uh, the way also the way the director shot that scene to like edit put that scene together too was great because it's like it, it generally leaves you open for like a, a genuine surprise uh, also uh, the dude playing Todd is 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 is, is um is a handsome guy. You know, really a handsome devil. You know, and like <laughs> he's he's a real hunky hunky boy hero. You know what I'm saying? He's got his uh, Canadian tuxedo on and it's open, <laughs> and his taco meat is hanging out. Um, I think he could do better than Bloodsport Lady, but you know, it you know it is what it is. Um, Bob's erection is showing again. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I am sorry. I am sorry. Like, uh, but yeah, like you know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, that's one like I think another thing I love about it also like for the fact that as we mentioned before, um, how uh, Alfred is essentially our final girl, you know, and it's weird too because like, it's like you mentioned, and like the movie doesn't shy away from it. Alfred is weird, like he very well could end up becoming a serial killer himself for, from these experiences he's had. Cause like the the first time we're really introduced to him, he's fucking uh, he's spying on Sally in the shower. And he's like, "Oh, I only wanted to get back at Glazer." And it's like, "How how how does um spying on a uh, on a girl taking a shower getting back at this guy?" It's like you you fucking he says, "I only wanted to scare her," but you just stared at her in the shower. You're perfect. <laughs> And like and, and this is this is the guy they chose to be our like our damsel in distress, like our final boy. <laughs> I just think that Well yes, but as I said, like the thing the reason I think it does kind of work is just by virtue of the fact that like there's clearly something up with the dude. So it's like you're not like I don't know, for me at least, I can't speak for I guess for everybody, but like for me, I never like take him as being like a creeper i just think of him as being a weird fucking dude who yeah. clearly doesn't know how to like interact with people like, he doesn't understand like it's like so it's like i don't i don't ever, ever at any point like i'm never like interpreting him as being shitty um i am always just like it's again it's like, there's a weird protective thing of it so that's why i think that like making him kind of um essentially the guy that is the damsel in distress that has to be saved, I think actually that's the reason it does ultimately work is because he's a dude who doesn't feel like he's, um, like, built for... Like, he's not somebody who, like, seems like he can escape on his own. Like, he's somebody who, if he isn't saved um, by Denim Dan, um, that he will end up <laughs> being brutally <laughs> murdered... Without with with the closest to any kind of solid human interaction he's ever had, being watching a girl in the shower, which admittedly isn't great for anybody, but like I think it's what makes him kind of um, at least worthwhile as a character in a way that I think a lot of the characters necessarily I wouldn't say are. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, he also runs funny, like. Uh... He's got he's got kind of like a like a like a silly Steven Seagal run just just it's probably, as... it's probably why he didn't want to learn to skate. <laughs> like he, he's got like a silly he's not Steven an athletic Se man. <laughs> yeah, obviously, like 
he's got that like you know <sighs> like you know what i'm saying like the, the, the he's all upper body in, in his running thing it's like it's weird it's weird although it's, it's not as it's not as a uh, feminine as steven seagal's run you know what i'm saying with the flailing of the hands uh, <laughs> Steven Skull runs incredibly hilariously. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, to say it's feminine kind of gives it, uh, there, there's, there's a vague dig in there. And I was like, there are many girls and women who run exponentially better and faster than any man I've ever seen in my life. So, like, yeah. to be fair, we, we can just say that Steven Seagal sucks at running and many aspects of life without necessarily <laughs> attaching anything to it. Yes, yes. The, the Steven Seagal just sucks. Yeah. Like, just, just funny. I was thinking, like, I was watching the videos of uh, Danny Spiegel, who was, like, a CrossFit athlete, and uh, she's got such a powerhouse run in comparison to Steven Seagal, who's just like... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 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 now, yeah, um... Like I, I was wondering if, because uh, did they have a campfire scene in 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 the movie where like Todd is is weirdly enough like like you know in retrospect it, it's it's wild that he's telling the story of Cropsy and he's the one who set Cropsy on fire <laughs> and and he's telling the story to 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 the kids at the campfire, um, but then like after it's the like, movie it's, ends, it's like it's like those guys who like write stories. They're like secret confessions. Whereas just like it's like he actually like he he he's responsible for the death or at least the um, maiming of a man, and he can't live with the guilt. So therefore, he's telling stories to kind of confess, but not like to get himself in trouble. Yes, the 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 uh, uh, pitch perfect version of the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, after uh, Cropsy meets his demise in, in a beautiful way. Uh, Todd puts an axe in his face. I mean, when they they put his garden shears in the in the back of his uh, like at the base of his spine, uh, in his back, and then uh, they think he's dead, but uh, he comes back, and Todd puts an axe in his face, and then Alfred sets him on fire. You know, so it's like he's come the from only certain... way you can kill, the only way you can finish him off. The, 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 he had he was born in fire. He has to die in fire. Yeah, that is true. Um, and then what follows that is uh. Um, someone they show a, a man telling, uh, I guess the, the same campfire story, and then um, I always felt that that was grown up Alfred. Um, what do you think? Yeah, that's actually probably fair. I never really thought about it in that in in depth. So like, but like that 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 seems legit. Yeah, like it's 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 all come full circle. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Alfred uh, found a way to you know not be socially awkward throughout the movie. Uh, he's fine. And now he's like, the, the, the can- I, I, like, I don't know how after that experience, like anybody could ever want to be a part of camp ever again. I mean, Todd, I, I don't know. Like he just set the guy on fire and he decided <laughs> to become a camp counselor. So, you know, whatever. But, uh, Alfred again, it's actually like he has, becoming... he's a thirst to confess. So he's like, he's, he's putting himself in a situation where basically like he's kind of exposing himself over and over again. It's like, he's like, it's like those, uh, those weird, um, fucking, um, uh, I don't know what the hell they're called, but the guys who like rip themselves, like the, 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 the monks who like whip themselves. And this is what he's doing. He's going back to the camp. He's whipping himself metaphorically. That's, that's his penance. 
Yes. You know what I'm saying? The, the, <laughs> like he, he he punishes himself you know, by reminding him like of like all the terrible things that happened and like all the all the weird shit he did when he was back at camp. So yeah, I guess it makes sense, you know, all things considering. But uh no, nah, like, you know, I uh it's it's uh I know Patrick is becoming more and more, you know, just bothered by my clear erection for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bothered by it. Again, I, I, okay, that's the thing, is like, I, even things that I don't like, I am more than happy to hear people, like, espouse their love for it. It's like, it's like the thing that I've had recently with, like, Saw, where it's like, because there's a new Saw coming out, I have constantly, for months, been seeing people on social media um, sharing their excitement and like their love for Saw, and just because I'm not like super into it, like I don't, I'm not just like I'm in no way like I'm like that's cool, like I'm glad. The thing is like, so it might be the burning is like, I think the burning is cool. I own the burning, as I said, like I watch the burning ever so often. Um, my only thing is like I think that it's like I don't think it's <laughs> like. I don't feel about it the same way you feel about it. Like, I don't necessarily think it's, like, especially of that year, one of the stronger entries, especially in a year when Friday the 13th Part fucking 2 came out. But, like, um, I do think there's a reason that, like, 40-plus years later, it's still fucking talked about and still, like, people still talk about it in a positive light and people still enjoy it that definitely speaks for it i think it's i, I think i think, I think like, as far as slasher movies go like, i definitely would put it like if anyone was like talking about summer camp slashers i mean i would definitely bring it up as like something to watch like i was like i mean i would definitely would name like friday 13th first but it's like i definitely think it's it's enjoyable and i think um like the actual um way that um the kills are directed and then the way the kills are realized <laughs> by Tom Savini I think though like that's the fucking that's the star of the show and that is what harms that makes it worth watching I would always say because like it legitimately is one of those things where it feels brutal and raw and it's not polished and it's like so it feels real on a certain level so, like, I definitely, I'm not, I'm in no way, like, shitting on it, disparaging it, anything. I think it's a cool movie. I just, like, I don't necessarily feel the same way you do, but I, like, I am more than happy to let you espouse your love for it and shout it from the rooftops. Because I, I definitely think, especially, like, I definitely think there's a lot of people who do, like, really enjoy it. It's just, like, it's, and again, I think I'm not saying I don't. It's just, like, to me, it's just, like, it's not, like, my favorite but it's definitely not my least favorite. Like it's just like, I, it's something that I definitely enjoy. And like as far as like summer camp horror. Plus, again, I also think it's cool that they used um, a real life like piece of urban folklore folklore for the killer because you don't see that really that often, if at all. Um, really, the the best you get otherwise is like real life fucking killers, and that's not fun for me at all to watch. So like um, this is actually a really good example of like how to pull that off. Where it's like it definitely is like the best version of like what you could hope for from that urban legend being brought to life. It's just not like I think it was just like, I'm not like I'm not 
like in love with it, but I definitely enjoy it. Like it's definitely, it's, it's I think it's a solid fucking movie. I just think there's also a lot of stuff that like, again, like I think that there are like definitely some dragon ass fucking parts, and the fact that everybody like none of the characters I care that much about, like, um, and so therefore I wish that we had kind of just instead of having an orgy of violence on the raft, had it kind of more like parceled out throughout the movie. Um, but as the movie as it is, I do thoroughly enjoy it. It is definitely um, not necessarily like original because it's obviously not, but um, of the movies that kind of, cause I think it's funny is like, we talked about it in the Friday 13th episode to some extent, but like, um, like the thing about like Friday 13th was it was directly ripping off Halloween, but it also spawned shitloads of ripoffs of its own. Um, and this is definitely one of the first ones that came out of the gate, but it also, I think, feels different enough that it just kind of stands on its own in, in a way that makes it interesting. So, like, it doesn't, it's not like one of those like slashers where you just like watch it and you're like, oh, this is exactly that. It feels like its own movie that's not Friday the 13th. It just also definitely doesn't it's not like i would not say it is a, a flawless film i just think it's i think it's a good time i think it's a solid slasher it's a good time it's just not my favorite but i think it's i think it's a, I, I think it's solid i don't know if i'm not saying it's not in any way not solid it's, it's well constructed it's well realized it just there are some things about it that i'm not the hugest fan of but i do i'm not saying this like i'm not saying there's anything remotely wrong with your love for it Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this uh, concludes uh, the existence of this show because I no longer <laughs> want to record with this man. How, how dare you? How dare you disparage the greatness of I the did it! I literally I wasn't doing that! But you kind of did. I and, swear uh, to God, I'm just expressing my feelings about it. I am not talking about the film as a whole. <laughs> like, like, to paraphrase the, the, the Penguin and Batman Returns, I don't think I like you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And for our second movie is a movie that I... Literally, um, I don't think I even knew existed, uh, let alone having seen um, until recently, because um, Rob, for whatever reason, hyperfixated on it like a motherfucker um, and became obsessed with it very quickly and watched it like 47 times in succession. Um, like literally just a two-day loop of just sitting in his, his, his room, just watching spontaneous combustion. Um, which, which, you know, real weird, but that's, that's, that's his life. And, um, I'm not, I'm not going to judge him for it. Um, (laughs) um, but, um, I finally watched it for the purposes of this because, um, when he had mentioned, as I said, he had mentioned the idea of doing the burning and spontaneous combustion and clearly it was very important to him. I know the burning is very important to him. And again, he's been obsessed with spontaneous combustion. So again, I knew that this meant a lot to him. So it definitely was going to do it despite the fact that, as I said, like the 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 uh, two hour erection that he's going to have during this is probably not good for him. But you know that's, yeah. that's his life. Um, what happens to him after this? It's that's that's on him. 
Um, but um, but no, it's a movie that I finally watched because of it, and actually found that I really liked. Um, it's funny because I didn't even know it existed. All I knew, um, like I the thing, like I was like I knew that apparently there was a, a very expensive Blu-ray that Rob didn't buy, and instead he bought a much cheaper Blu-ray that uh that uh, uh, uh our, our friends uh, gave him shit for uh, on the on the Twitter slash X. Um, <laughs> and um, I found it on uh, YouTube. Um, so if you can't find it, that's where you can probably. Uh, that's where I found it. Um, and it's really weird. It's funny because it's like it's a movie that like um, it's almost like um, in a weird way, kind of in the same way Carrie is, I guess. It's kind of like an anti-superhero movie, um, superhero movie, um, <laughs> where it's like, I mean, like, it's kind of comparable in some ways, I guess, to like Brightburn almost, uh, because it's like um, basically a story of um, in, uh, I, I guess it was supposed to be like the 50s, um, sort of like that, uh, um, that basically uh, the rapey robot from uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 and uh, his wife um are somehow uh injected or like whatever like they're they basically they they're given uh the ability to resist uh nuclear fallout somehow um and in the process um pass uh the superpower of uh spontaneous combustion basically a human torch-esque type thing uh to their son uh played by brad duraf when we meet him um for whatever reason um they die like seconds after he is born because when he is born somehow they lose their superpowers and he gains his i'm not entirely sure how that works but that's fine um there's many things superheroes that i don't completely understand but i don't really care that much um why is superman's blankets being like the, that made his suit why are they bulletproof that makes no sense it's his cells that give him that they're drinking the red sun or the yellow sun radiation why would yeah. his suit bulletproof whatever fuck it i don't care um but um, so yeah, so now he has uh, his fiery superpowers. He's not aware of um, until he starts to get mad, and then they start expressing themselves, and he starts using them, um, kind of in a power way, um, but also like to get kind of uh, vengeance on his you know terrible life uh, with a doctor who is uh, mad arms from Mass of the Universe again. Mm -hmm. Things I don't entirely understand, but okay, I'm into it. Um, and uh, trying to reclaim uh, the, 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 his love. It's actually kind of the closest I can think of. It's, it, it feels <laughs> very much, I was going to say it feels like a Stephen King story, but I guess that's Firestarter. But this is kind of like um, uh, Firestarter, but like on more of a comic book tip, uh, which I think is actually really cool, personally. Um, again, like I'd never seen it. And like I definitely, I like Toby Hooper. Um, I wouldn't say I like him to the extent that like you uh clearly like Toby Hooper or uh Billy. Uh you guys just can't stop, you know, just coming on your uh your your copies of Toby Hooper films. And that's that's that that's 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 you guys' thing. I'm not I'm not kink shaming anybody. Um but uh but I like Toby Hooper. But like I'm not so like but like um there's certain movies of his where I'm just like that was fine. Um Whereas this is one of the movies that I've watched and been like, oh, this is really fun. I'm surprised this movie has kind of weirdly been kind of forgotten. Uh, but at the same time, I guess I'm not because I was reading um, on Wikipedia afterwards. I was reading like, like, um, like reviews and people were about like how Toby is like now like making 
like he's like the master of making bad movies or whatever. And I was like, I kind of understand where they're coming from, but I just think that that's, I think that he was aiming to make something with a B-movie vibe. I mean, great. I also think he was on a lot of cocaine, but um, I definitely think he was aiming to make something with a B-movie vibe and succeeded. And I think this also has um, a vibe where it's kind of like his other stuff um, that's uh, like, let's say like Texas Chainsaw or whatever, where it has somewhat, it definitely has comedic elements, but they are not readily apparent. Um, it's like, if you're not like aware of what he's doing, or if you don't like, or if you want like a fan of his work, I don't necessarily think that you're going to catch them. So I think that, I feel like that's why a lot of people probably didn't see this and why it kind of fell into obscurity. But um, now watching it, I definitely don't think that it deserves to be. Um, I definitely think that it deserves a bigger fucking release and like more attention because it's definitely, it's a really fun movie. Like I think it's, re it's really fucking entertaining. Like it's like, and I said, like if you're looking for something in the vibe of like superhero, but you also like horror, this is right up your fucking alley. Like it's just like, it's very fucking, it's straight up really fun fucking superhero movie that's also a fucking hardcore horror movie. So yeah, no, I am sad that it took me so long to see it, but I probably will definitely watch it again in the near future. Yeah, um, this this came out uh, at the time where um, Toby was starting his so-called slump. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, he, uh, after the success of Poltergeist, he got a three-picture deal with Canon, uh, which all three movies were failures at the box office, and uh, he was kind of like taking what he can get. Um, and uh, I, I think, well, was, uh, commercially, like his movies were disappointing, but creatively, he was still on point, especially with this one, because uh, the way I took this movie was kind of like it was a commentary on uh, how uh uh you know like essentially like the government like creates a a situation where um the 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 offspring of like you know that that time frame is like kind of like almost kind of like how like suffering the fucking uh the the the, the after effects of reaganomics yeah you know not the after effects i think it was it was like it was still basically in the like fucking throes of reaganomics because like this, I want to say, was, like, the year after Reagan was no longer president, but George Bush became president, and he was Reagan's vice president. So basically, yeah. like, that was basically four more years of Reagan without actually being four more years of Reagan. Yeah, the, the fucking uh, the, 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 the boomers from the fucking the greatest generation basically created a situation that uh, we're still suffering from. And that's essentially encapsulated in Brad Dourif's character. It's like... What they did to his parents, he's still feeling the after effects, of it, and it's like it's destroying him from within. Because like, yeah. we should note that uh, he does he does have the power to to create fire, but uh, it's not a, like a a cool thing like the Human Torch, where it's just like flame on or like uh, fire starter, where she could uh, uh, mentally create it with her mind. He gets upset and uh, he just basically starts like his all like that that sequence where he fully. Uh, 
uh, you know, realizes his ability and shit where his arm just completely uh, starts, uh, turns into like a, a mini volcano and starts erupting flames and shit and fucking, which is like, it also makes it like, like you mentioned superhero movies. I also think it's like, it's, it's a great body horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because every time he admits flames and shit, he destroys like like m- most parts of his his body, like his arm. Like I look when, when uh um he he combusts in the in the phone booth later on in the movie and shit, and like he's just now he's just like his eye is completely swollen shut because he flamed his own eye out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like he's he, he's got like one eye for the rest of the movie, and it's like he just completely destroying himself, and it's just like. It makes sense, you know what I'm saying, because Toby was part of that, you know, obviously, you know, the four horsemen of horror, and they all had uh, problems with authority, Carpenter being the most uh, obvious with, with his statements, and then there's Romero, but uh, Toby shows a, a lot of it in there as well, where it's just like, you know, this is, I feel like is is a great commentary on that, where it's just like, these motherfuckers set us up for, for destruction later on in our lives, and like, and Brad Dura's character, literally, because he's fucking literally destroying himself as the movie goes along. And it's just like, yeah. Well, like, also, like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's just, it's just a wild ass fucking movie, too. Like, it's really a, a wacky, zany movie. Like, I posted a, a small clip of it where, um, there's, there's a scene where, uh, Brad Dura's character is, is, is attempted to be killed by a doctor with the, the, the green goo and the syringe from fucking Reanimator. Yeah. And, like, you know, in a scene like that where a guy gets attacked, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, in a regular movie by a regular filmmaker, any other filmmaker, it would just be like, oh, the guy comes into a syringe and the protagonist defends themselves. But uh, this guy comes in with the syringe and because it's a Toby Hooper movie starring Brad Dourif, guy comes in with the syringe and Brad Dourif goes, fucking try to kill me! And, like, and then he grabs it and goes, Ooh! and then fucking sets him on fire <laughs> with his mind. And it's like you can only see this in the Toby Hooper movie starring Brad Dourif. We should also note that uh, um, uh, another reason why this pairing is happening is because uh, we've decided to do a, a mini series uh, for the show. Is uh, this is the start of 1990, <laughs> the year of Dourif horror? Um, where we like for the, uh, the, this episode and the next two, we will be discussing. Uh, horror movies that Brad Dourif uh, had released in the year of 1990. Um, glorious year for Brad Dourif. Um, so now you can probably guess what some of them are, but like, but what oh, is funny is like, it's funny how you, like, you I actually forgot. Like, I thought it was like, it's, I thought it was 89, but 90 makes sense because of my, obviously the plan. But um, it is funny though, because this movie feels very fucking 80s. Like, as far as, as far as like, I don't know. There's something about it where like it doesn't it doesn't feel like a, a '90s movie at all. Like it feels very. It's, it, I guess it's true of a lot of things. Like there's a lot. Of, it's just like um, there was movies that were released at the beginning of the '80s that feel, still feel like '70s movies. So yeah. I guess that's always kind of a thing that happens. But yeah, this definitely to me feels like a very '80s like film. Yeah, like like that always happens. Like you know, movies that are released in like the beginning of a new decade still feel like movies from the past decade. Like um. Like perfect example, how like like something like Stone Cold still feels like an eighties action movie, even though it was released in ninety one. Uh, this yeah, this this was definitely made and, in eighty nine, I mean, and, 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 and like they they made a masterpiece. That's all I'm saying. Like it was it's the it's the one of the finest films, not only of all time, yes. not only of this just just it should be it should be in the Library of Congress. Is all I'm saying. Absolutely, we should protect um, it at all costs. <laughs> 
Yeah, this was this was definitely a made in '89, but it was released in like I think in February of '90. Mm-hmm. So like this definitely has those those it continues those '80s vibes. But um, plus cocaine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, as, as far as I know, uh, Toby was not a uh, uh, he was a cokehead, but not the cocaine the the coke you're thinking of, not cocaine. Um, he was a massive fan of Coca Cola. Um, I don't think that that's. I mean, I think both are accurate, but okay. <laughs> I know. I think he was a pothead as well. Even well, I'm oh. sure, but um, because I mean, yeah, he's uh, that era. But um, but, like I, even the people who say that he did direct Poltergeist are all like, he did love cocaine. Like they don't use those words, but it was implied. <laughs> it's always implied. Whereas like he was on some some substances, and I was like, you can just say cocaine. It's fine. It was it was like the eighties. It's fine. <laughs> everybody everybody was on cocaine. It's fine. <laughs> No, nah, because I remember uh, Kevin Conway has said it that uh, when they were making the Fun House, the Kobe uh, Toby drank at uh, uh, at least like twelve cans of Coca Cola per day. Well, um, sniffing Coca Cola and well, <laughs> sniffing cocaine. Sorry, <laughs> drinking nah. cola, like sniffing cocaine, Coca Cola. Yes, I understand. Well, that that's where it got its name from. Um, because uh, they used to be cocaine yeah, I know. was one the, the, the secret ingredient, so it tracks. <laughs> the best thing is that Coca-Cola, it was cocaine and cola, and the cola nuts were uh, caffeine. So you were combining caffeine and cocaine into one beverage. The fact that people's hearts just didn't explode in their chest is fucking amazing. Yeah, that is true. That's, that's fucking, like, it's, it's weird that, like, they got rid of the cocaine, but they kept the name Coca. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was very important branding, Rob. All right, <laughs> motherfuckers put cocaine in the soda, like, like. Well, to I be mean, fair, that was kind of the, the way that like that that era. Cause it was it was like a it was like a medicinal drink originally, and basically the way that like there's a meme and it's true. Where basically like old timey doctors were like, you have demons in your blood. You need to do cocaine about it. Yeah. Then Sigmund Freud, uh, Sigmund Freud was was a big fan of uh, uh, enough cap, enough cocaine to kill a small horse. <laughs> yeah, like like the he would he was at the if I remember correctly he was one that was just like yeah just have some cocaine you'll feel better you know what I'm saying I, I'm having it you know what I'm saying so it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's fine it's all fine everything's fine we're all fine here how are you <laughs> yeah um this this definitely has his 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 you know. Like one thing I, I I love about Toby that like because I've been going through his movies and and I realize that Toby is someone who understands tone, um, I, I think a lot better than um his contemporaries did, um like like I love Carpenter but like you Carpenter is is, is that filmmaker where you you watch one of his movies and you immediately is like this is a Carpenter movie because Carpenter's style is very much obvious you know what I'm saying. You, like no matter what, like to, to the point where like people like emulate him and it's just like yeah, that's Carpenter style. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, George had had a style, but it wasn't as obvious. But it was a lot more playful. Where it's like, uh, I feel like Toby was more of a chameleon. Like you know what I'm saying? Where he would just he didn't have a distinct style, but like he knew how to do tone really well. He knew exactly what a movie needed. In order to make it work, so where it's just like, yeah, this is Toby, you know what I'm saying? Like, like he knew how to play it subtle, and he knew how to go over the top. But when Toby goes over the top, he really fucking goes for it, you know what I'm saying? 
and this this is a perfect example of that. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you have fucking Brad Dourif as the star of your movie. You know what I'm saying? And Brad just you know what I'm saying? It, it's it's a wonderful thing to watch that man cut loose. You know what I'm saying? And just like just, I mean, like there 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 are other movies like uh you know that that are probably better. One we 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 would definitely talk about. I don't know if we're talking about that one next. Um, as far as uh the his acting and well it. we're doing um <laughs> i can't uh, no we're, we're, we're probably not doing the one you're talking about so go ahead just keep going <laughs> yeah 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 um but uh yeah like you know what i'm saying to- toby just really just goes for it in this one i mean because like he like you could tell he understands when a premise is silly you know what I'm saying? Like he'll play it straight, but he's like, "This is this is silly shit we're doing here." You know, we're we're, we're not, you know, we're, like we're making art, but it's not like you know real fucking like art here. We're doing silly B movie shit, so let's play that up. And he like he definitely goes for it, like um, the the, the scene where uh, Duras character is talking to his love interest on the phone, and like he 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 erupts in the phone booth. And a, and a fiery hand just shoots out of the fucking uh, the phone and tries to grab her. You know what I'm saying? It's like, where did that come from? You know, it doesn't matter because it's a Toby Hooper film, so don't ask questions. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was also probably to some extent like influenced by like other stuff because, like, I mean, like for example, like I mean, like six years before this, you had like Never Elm Street where you had like Freddy like coming through the fucking phone. And um, where like he's like licking the fucking uh, licking Nancy through the receiver, um, and then like yeah, but um, that's but but that's that's within the logic of that movie where it's just like all dreamlike, you know what I'm saying, and and fanciful stuff. It's just like there is no explanation whatsoever why like a, a fiery ghost hand shoots out of the the, the receiver of the phone and tries to grab it's superpowers, Rob wires again the Superman's blankets. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Just go with it. It's fine. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, say just go with it. You know, say it's crazy. And Toby's just like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. Like, so let's just go all fucking out with the craziness. <laughs> Why does the Flash need to wear little like fucking um, like goggles? But for some reason, his face being completely exposed is fine. There's lots of things you can question if you want to, Rob. It's it's it's, it's not a it's not reality. It's fine. Ah, uh, yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, um. Uh, I know I, I read uh, uh, an old interview that I, uh, I think Dorf did for Fangoria when he was promoting Exorcist 3 that uh, he said that uh, this movie was kind of fucked up uh, in post-production where uh, like the producers uh, uh, try to take it away from Toby and shit and try, try to make it into something like you know he said, like, there were three different ways you, you could have had this movie. You could have had it, you know, be, like, you know, a love story. You could have had it be, like, uh, you know, like, psychodrama and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, and, like, I forgot, I forgot what was the third movie, like, but they essentially went for all three and then started, like, the mad science shit. And he said, and Toby was a trooper, was just like, eh, like, you know, fuck it. You know, so let's just deal with it. And, like, he tried to make the, the, the best out of the situation, and this was the movie we got. Um... Like I, I I I think it works though. I, I think it absolutely works, and there's nothing wrong with this movie. And people were sitting there like, "Oh, this is bullshit." It was like, "The fuck were y'all watching?" And I'm saying, like, "Oh, like I I saw a, like a recent review too, maybe in a letterbox, where somebody said this is the first time they felt like Toby uh 
produced a failure creatively. Like this was a creative failure on his part. And I'm like, I could not disagree more with you, sir. Like, I, I think he was firing on all cylinders creatively, but this one is just like, you know, I don't know. It's like, what, 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 I guess, you know, saying like, because as I said before, Toby is like, he comes from that era of filmmakers, but they all have something to say in their films. And like, maybe people weren't looking for that. Maybe people were just looking for like something like a, like a fire starter was just like, oh, Brad Dourif comes and sets everybody on fire with his mind. And it's like, well, nah. I mean, I think it was even. I mean, I, that's. I mean, that might be a factor, but also I think it's also like um, the thing that I've talked about before, um, not just here, like many places, is um, this was released in 1990, and like that was during the whole period when everything started to shift in terms of like um, like film, where people had kind of like because in like the 80s, genre was king, like. The movies that were making money were horror movies, action movies, like sci-fi movies, whatever. But, like people wanted that; they couldn't get enough of it. It kept being like shoveled down their throats, and then uh, and they they and they wanted. It. They kept wanting more. They kept wanting more. They kept wanting more. And then by like like the time you get to like eighty nine, like it's it definitely starting to wind down because like you have like the lowest grossing Friday 13th, like the lowest grossing number in Elm Street. Like people are kind of getting to the point where they're like, we don't want genre anymore. And then like, there was a weird thing that happened in the nineties where um, like you had, you like genre movies didn't stop coming out, but like they weren't doing well. And the studios didn't know what to do because they were like, but this is all we know how to do. So they just kind of keep doubling down. Which why, as the decade goes on, you have these, like, kind of bigger and bigger flops. Even the movies that are, like, worthwhile. Like, let's say, for example, like, um, like Demolition Man or, like, Cliffhanger. But it's, like, it's, like, they were, even if they were, like, financially successful, they were, all, they were also kind of seen as being stupid. They yeah. were, like, they were, like, almost, like, lesser art. Um, they were, like, this is just bullshit. Because that's not what people wanted. People wanted what, like, reality. They wanted, like, what Kevin Smith was giving to them with, like, uh, with his movies. They wanted what Quentin Tarantino was giving to them with their with his movies. Like, yeah. Um, and if they were gonna do genre, they generally wanted it um, from like fresh new voices, like whether it be Robert Rodriguez, whether it be Stephen Hopkins, like whether like whatever. But they wanted it from like somebody who was delivering it differently. And Toby was kind of from the era where like he was still kind of because he came in the 70s and then like worked his way through the 80s but as you said like he wasn't necessarily like um like locked into any particular style so like he definitely i think um kind of kept making just toby movies but the problem is that the, the people just i feel like didn't want that and ultimately that probably hurt him um and it sucks because as you said like um this movie was treated as at best um a creative failure <laughs> and at worst just fucking overlooked and forgotten yeah and it doesn't deserve either of those as far as i'm concerned like it's funny because like i never had even seen it or i don't even heard of it and then like i watched it and i really fucking enjoyed it but um also at the same time i can't say how I would have felt about it watching it then. Like, maybe I would feel the same. I don't know. But it's also, it was, like, it was a different time and, like, movies were changing. And, like, 
this, in that respect, I think could be probably considered ahead of its time. Um, because I think if this come out um, in, like, let's say the 2000s, it might, I mean, it wouldn't have come out in the 2000s because all anyone wanted to make in the 2000s was fucking remakes. But um, if hypothetically it came out in the 2000s, it might have been better received because people were more willing to accept genre again. And then, like, the 2010s, and then, like, it, it, they were kind of genre kind of caught, caught on again. Yeah, yeah. To the extent, like, where we are now, where it's, like, it's starting to kind of feel like it's dying out again. Although, like, certain genres are still taking off. Like, obviously, horror is still taking off. But then you have, like, kind of the bigger stuff that keeps failing. Because um, I just don't think people care in the same way that they did. Because they, they've had enough of it. Yeah. Um, whereas, I think the reason that horror is thriving it's because people are doing uh, like more. Like the majority of the horror that's coming out is like new and fresh and original and stuff that, like people like haven't seen before. And I feel like in that respect, I think that if this came out like now, let's say like um, it just was unleashed as like, oh hey, Toby made this movie uh, that none of us have ever seen. Like it has been sitting in a vault for like the last like thirty years. I think if you release it today it would get a very positive reception because it's something that like, it feels very of the time. Like it feels very original. It also feels like a throwback. Whereas I think in the nineties, it was just, was the wrong fucking time for holding this to be released. Like it just, it was just going to take hits. And, um, it sucks that that kind of happened to Toby. I think it's funny is like people act like, um, the whole poltergeist thing was the first time like that like he had like a black eye on his career yeah i'm like no (laughs) like that's kind of the greatest insult um because that's one of his not only stronger efforts but biggest hits yeah so like the fact that people are trying to take that away from him sucks yeah but the problem is that's not his biggest fucking like insult like there's like a lot of movies that he released that either people didn't care about or people outright fucking disliked or hated. And I can't even imagine what it must have been like for that dude. Cause like he definitely was also the thing that I always think is funny is he was a dude who was like, as we, I think we've talked about on the text episode, but um, like he was a dude who wanted to do comedy. He didn't want to do horror. He just, because he ended up, remember that was the whole thing is like Eli Roth was given advice. I'm guessing probably at master's dinners, um, where like, don't make like another horror movie because like once you start, they'll never let you stop. Um, and then he was just like, well, that's what I want to make, so why would I stop? Um, Toby, I think was the opposite situation, where it's like he didn't want to make horror movies. He just happened to be good at making horror movies, and because it's so difficult to make a good horror movie, people just kept giving him jobs, and he wanted to keep working. And the jobs they were giving him were horror, so he just kept doing what he could. And I don't think he really... I can't think of a time where he ever, like, outright, to me, failed. But I definitely think that, like, to audiences... I definitely see why people would watch this and, like, say it was a bad movie. I just think that it was... People were watching it... A, in the wrong time, and B, through the long lens. Because, like, the thing that you were talking about with it being... Um, like the whole metaphor of it, I was like, I don't think anyone would have even considered 
it playing at any level other than a surface level, which I do think it still works on. I think it's still a really fun, entertaining movie on that level. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think people would... It's just the same thing with the Texas Chainsaw. Like, to this day, there's people who don't understand that Texas Chainsaw is not only, like, intended to be at least partially comedy, there's definitely comedy throughout, but it's also very much a, like, movie with something to say. Yeah. And I feel like that's the thing. Is like I feel like because he made, he made movies that didn't fairly often, people just assumed that he was just kind of just doing shit, and I don't think that's fair. I think this is a really good example of something that he did that has been weirdly like maligned and it's really unfair because i think it's it's really really entertaining like it's really it's a really good time and it's like i said like it's like also i mean the one thing also that kind of probably holds this movie back is like i wouldn't go as far as to say they're bad because i think I mean, they did the best they could but like the effects even for the time are not great <laughs> that probably hurts it a little bit but like the fact that like, you have such good performances i think makes up for that because like yeah. brad Dourif bringing it as he always did um because I, I also think it's weird is brad Dourif is an academy award nominated actor mm-hmm. for fucking one flew of the cookies does but because he has just kept working and kept doing other like just a lot of his stuff has been horror sure but he's been chucky um and like so i get it but like it's also he's also the guy he was a doctor on deadwood like he does a lot of things, but he's weirdly like not respected, and that's fucking weird and fucking disgusting to me. Yeah, no, yeah, it's 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 funny too because like it's kind of like the same thing with like you know they're respected, but they're also working individuals, both Toby and Brad. Um, it was like oh, like you know, uh, Brad Dourif, like. He he is an Academy Award nominated actor, but like he shows up and stuff like this, which you know, people will feel like is beneath them. And then like he'll like he'll show up in like Critters Four, I believe. He's, I, I, don't, I don't, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, the the less said about Critters Four, the better. Um, and to be fair, Leonardo DiCaprio is in Critters Three, so. Yeah, but that was that was before he became the the, the Leo DiCaprio. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't even think Leo had done uh, Growing Pains yet uh, by the time he did Critters 3. I think 3. that he had because I, I remember knowing who he was. I would not have known who he was otherwise. Yeah, and um, uh, like he was also in Death Machine, which I really like Death Machine, but like, you know, people are like, Ugh. you know, they think he's slumming it because, uh, you know, it's like he's doing these movies and like, no, he's a working actor and he wants to continue working because he likes, he likes living in, in, a, in a house and he likes eating food and he has children to feed you know what i'm saying and it's like hey I, i'm not getting the roles i probably should be getting but uh you know i'm getting something and, and i'm gonna do it and th- th- that's the same thing with toby it's like you know a, a, like someone like carpenter romero who um really just kind of like would just wait to like they get like the right project to come along before they made something you know like particularly romero which is why like he the, the, the 90s almost went I think to be fair, Carpenter made, he, I mean, he wrote his own shit most of the time. Like, yeah. I mean, so it's like, I mean, it's mostly just him just doing something. The only time he ever, like, didn't was, like, um, like, there was that brief period of, like, the thing in, like, Starman 
where he was like doing other people's scripts. But like most of the time, it was just him basically being like, "I have an idea," and like he'll like, make that movie. Yeah. So so, you know, so he was never like hurting for work. He was just like, I guess, occasionally just like not having ideas he was excited about. No, yeah, like that's one of the things I'm, I'm saying. Um, also, Romero, like Romero, went the entire almost the entire '90s without putting out anything. Like I think the only thing released from Romero in the '90s was uh, uh, his segment in Two Evil Eyes and The Dark Half. Which I was, was just say, yeah, Dark Half. Yeah, and The Dark Half actually sat on the shelf for a while before it was released and shit. And then that was it. We we didn't see anything from Romero until like what 2000, 2000 when he released Bruiser, um, which is which is a film I still haven't seen. Um, Me yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it's like you know, a, a lot of our favorites. You know, what I'm saying. They, 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 they wait years before they do anything else. And Toby was obviously someone who liked to work. So, like, you would, you know, he would still do movies like this, but then he would still do, like, uh, TV movies like I'm Dangerous Tonight or, like, a director video fair like Night Terrors, or he would do uh, television uh, episodes. Uh, he, he did uh, the, the pilot episode for Freddy's Nightmares, for, for, for God's sakes. Um, I think he did an episode of Amazing Stories as well. To be fair, uh, a lot of people did episodes for like amazing. That, that was I did think it was funny about like if you look look back at like that era was like um they like amazing stories. There was like uh, the Twilight Zone uh, like reboot they did. Yeah. But it's like you have all these fucking major A list fucking directors who are like yeah no I'll do an episode of television like um like amazing stories. You had like fucking like I mean granted it was Spielberg producing it, but like it was like you had like fucking like like fucking uh like. Joe Dante and like fucking um, Scorsese and like all the like where it's just like yeah no we're gonna do TV it's just like God bless Steven Spielberg for being like yeah no you want to do my TV show and they're like all right <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying because he because he because you know he had to pull you know what I'm saying and and a lot of times the the directors were his friends you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. you know, so so he could do that but like Toby was obviously someone who 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 like he, like also um. Uh, he did that segment in uh, Body Bags, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like primarily because he was friends with Carpenter, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I thought I thought, I thought it was funny though that um, the, the, well, I don't even think it was Toby who was asked, which is which is wild. That, that would have been crazy. But uh, Two Evil Eyes was supposed to be like four stories, and it was supposed to be Argento, Romero. They they were always the ones that were a part of the project. But it was supposed to be Carpenter, and I believe Craven, and both Carpenter and Craven said no. Um, and then they they both went into body bags. Well, Car- Craven uh, appears in uh, Carpenter's first segment. I mean, to be actor. fair, though, body bags wasn't was supposed to be a movie. It was supposed to be a TV show on, I think, Showtime. It was like their answer to, like, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, they were like, yeah, well, no, we're not going to make this. In, we're not going to pick this up. And, like, Carpenter and uh, Toby were, like, probably like, well, can we still, you know, have it? And they were like, okay, and those uh, became that movie. But I, I don't think it was like, like Two Evil Eyes was intended to be like a movie. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think that like, like fucking Body Bags was just, like, it was those dudes just trying out. Because nobody was, I guess. My guess is that nobody was asking them to do like tales, and they probably wanted to do tales. And then so they were like, let's do our own thing, and then it was just like it became that, which is funny because like I think that like. It's oh, but be, to be fair, I don't think there was like was any competitors to Tales really. Like, the closest was like Tales from the Dark Side, but yeah. like, that was like barely a competitor. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's weird though too. Is like in retrospect, how Body Bags is more uh, remembered than Two Evil Eyes, because mm. Two Evil Eyes was like you know like it, 
no pun intended, my eyes, like should have been something that was considered an event, considering like you know the pairing between the directors, and nobody gave a shit about it. I don't think people really still give a shit about it and shit. Like nobody talks about two evil eyes, but people still talk about people still talk about body bags though. I mean, to be you fair, know. I've never seen Two Evil Eyes, but also... It's all right. It's all right. I think it was released at the weird, at the, like, the wrong time, because at the time, um, I think, like, Argento was still kind of just, like, a cult figure. Like, there were, like, some horror fans that were, like, big fans of his, but I feel like a lot of people didn't, even in horror, didn't know who the fuck he was when they released that movie, um, whereas they released it, like, even probably, like, I would say, like, five, ten years later. It might have got a better reception, but I have no idea. Yeah. Um, no. Although, to be fair, I think that was around the time that you made Trauma, and when that no one cared about fucking Trauma. <laughs> like, I, the, the, way, the way that I heard about Trauma was May. Like, I didn't even know Trauma existed, and that was his big American debut. <laughs> no, like, I, I remember Trauma, actually, because I saw an ad for it in the in the paper when it was coming out. Like, you know... Uh, they they had like one of those like you know postings or like you know, uh, at, at these local theaters trauma and I'm like what the fuck is this you know what I'm saying and years later I was like oh that uh, that was an Argento film the, the, that that's 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 cool um, but like yeah uh, I mean but like in the, the what I do find funny is that the in retrospect I, I I see it now because it's like Carpenter. Uh, with with body bags, it was going to be like his own thing, like he was presenting, like like they were going to make him the crypt keeper of of that particular series if it had went to series. So like I could see why it appealed to him more than just doing uh, two evil eyes, uh, which I guess would have been four evil eyes and shit if they if Argento and Romero would have gotten their way. Um, but, uh, like he he would have just been a part of that whole thing, and that was more uh, Argento or Romero's thing. Whereas Body Bags, like they were fully in, like yeah, we want Carpenter to to like spearhead this, and he was like, because he like I was I was watching the Blu-ray and like he did an interview and he was like, yeah, I don't I don't dig anthologies at all, like you know, say so he said that he said he has been asked to to do an anthology and he'd just be like, no. I, I don't like it. He said, but like, you know, Showtime came along and like, you know, they wanted to do this thing. You know what I'm saying? They wanted me to be a big part of it. So I was just like, yeah, you know, so like, of course, because there was money involved. He was going to yes. get checks. He was going to get continuous checks had it actually led to a series. So he's like, okay, sure. Fine. Let's do that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to bring my buddy, uh, Toby Hooper along. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I, I always wondered if, uh, he he, because being that Craven was on set, if he had wanted Craven to direct the first segment, which is kind of like a slasher segment, and and Craven was just like, nah, you know what I'm saying? Well, like I'll, I'll act in it, but uh, I'm not I'm not going to direct it, which is why Carpenter gets two segments and Toby only gets one. Um, but like, yeah, uh, this is like. Like like I I do like two evil eyes, but it's weird. Like you know, I mean, Argento like he's a big horror guy, so of course like he he saw that. But it's like the fact that you didn't even like you don't even seem to bother to have asked Toby. You know what I'm saying? You just went like uh, Romero, Carpenter, and Craven. Like, but Toby's the fourth. You know what I'm saying? Like I like I like your movies, dude, but uh, you're not. <laughs> Toby is. So it's just like. It would have appealed to me more had you got the four. Like, do you imagine to have the four of them together doing an anthology? I mean, the they four? did. Well, I guess they didn't because I guess Wes wasn't a part of it. But I was gonna say like, the Master of Horror, but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was another thing where it was just like, like I mean, they were allowed to, you know, free reign to do whatever they wanted in their episodes. But like, um, I don't even really like the the fact that it's just like you know, it was a, it was a great thing, but you know, I I would have loved to have seen something where it was just like. It is mind. funny though. Speaking of Toby though, with Master of Horror, like I never saw his second season one because second season one I've only seen like I think probably half of those episodes. Um, but the first season one was I remember when I saw it. I don't honestly don't I don't know I can't remember how it plays now because I haven't watched it recently. But um, when I watched it, it was like the darkest fucking horror thing I had ever watched to that point. Like I was like I remember being really fucking like fucked up after i watched it like i was like deeply depressed upon watching his episode um like the dance of the dead like mm-hmm. that, that episode fucked me up deeply like it was just like it was just like because speaking of his fucking tone like holy shit like he establishes just the most nihilistic despairing horrible fucking world that takes place in and it touched me but not in a positive way <laughs> <laughs> yeah like that's the beauty of toby toby he, he he gets material and he knows exactly what it needs exactly he's and he's never wrong like I, i've yet to see uh, uh uh a toby project where it was just like yeah like this didn't need that like he knows exactly what the like his his, his shit needs like uh i for the first like for the first time i watched uh his uh television movie i'm dangerous tonight which was also made the same the same year as uh, uh that this came out and uh it's a television movie and he treats it as such you know what i'm saying like that silly kind of like uh uh late night uh like overly melodramatic fucking shit well to be fair i've never seen that but like from the from the from I, well, I, seen it when I was little i don't remember but it was a tv movie so i might have seen it on tv but um from the vibes I get from it, from just like the poster and stuff, it seems like it was made to be kind of part of that era of like, um, like uh, what's that fucking movie? Like the Crush and shit. Like basically, like like Alicia Silverstone movies where she was very melodramatic and like did there was a vague sense of evil, but they were they were more like thrillers than horror movies. No, no, the the, the, the actuality like the uh, he goes far into like that whole kind of like almost late night soap opera type shit with it. Cause it, it's very melodramatic and silly, but he gives it like a real, uh, like almost like tales from the crypt, uh, style, like aesthetic to it. You know what I'm saying? Which is absolutely what that movie needed to make it as, as fun as it is. Cause it's really fucking fun. Um, you know, he made it for U- USA and shit. And it's like, um, it must have been one of their late night things because I saw boobies in there and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even know they were putting boobies on the USA network. Um, but there were definitely boobies in there, you know what I'm saying? And like it's like, yeah, Toby was just just pitch perfect at knowing exactly the, the type of tone to establish where with his movies every single time, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know like when we we talk about like his career and all that stuff it's just like you know like it's essentially like also when people uh talk about like you know like oh like how his career fell apart and he was doing things like crocodile and it's just like the man wanted to work you know like regardless it's like you know if that's what he was doing is because he wanted to do it not because that was the only thing he could do um 
you know, saying like, his remake of, of the Toolbox Murders. Um, I haven't seen like his, his last two movies, like Mortuary and uh, Jin. Um, I did see Mortuary. I might have seen Jin. I can't remember, but I do remember seeing Mortuary. I remember um, that came out. Um, I think it was right before I worked in a video store, but I was friends with a guy who worked in the video store, and he would get like every fucking horror thing that came in the fucking store. And I remember watching that with him, but I don't remember that much about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, the, the guy wanted to work. You know what I'm saying? So leave him alone. I mean, he, like, it wasn't like it was like a, like a, a massive fall from grace because if you watch uh, his, his remake of the Toolbox Murders and shit, he definitely still had it. You know what I'm saying? Because the, his, his Toolbox Murders uh, works. Uh, I do remember liking t- that. I remember seeing that and I liked it. Yeah, like that was funny too. I, I use that. I use that in the comeback because I remember people. Uh, uh, I was watching people talking shit about because uh, this came around the time of the the. Uh, it was announced that Rob Zombie was doing uh, the monsters, mm-hmm. and of course he was casting uh, Sherry Moon Zombie as a uh, um, um, Lily. No, yeah, um, and uh, like oh, like you know, because she's only good enough. To, to be in his movies because she sucks as an actress. She's she's never been in another movie uh, because she sucks. And I was like, she's in the Toolbox Murders, the Toby Hooper's remake of the Toolbox Murders. And everybody was just, oh. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, at least, at least be factual. She's only in it for five minutes, but she is in it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, like, I thought we were, I thought we all all knew horror here and shit. Yeah, I didn't fucking know that. <laughs> Not that I'm sitting there fucking like you know I, I'm better than you, but uh, I clearly. Last thing is like also yeah with like, the Sherry Green zombie thing. I think it's really weird. Like I don't they, I'm like whatever. I just like I just I don't I'm not I'm very publicly not a really a fan of like the Rob Zombie uh, stuff. Um, but I don't I never thought that she was bad in any of them. Like um, even the ones I don't like. Like I don't think that she's bad in his Halloween. I don't like that movie, but I don't think she's bad in it. She's um, actually really good in his Halloweens. And like, um, like Lords of Salem, I don't like that movie, but I don't think she's bad in it. Like, there's, I don't think I've ever seen anything that I thought that she was bad in. So I don't really. And also, to be totally fair, there's tons of fucking movies I've seen where I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, but the cast fucking sucked like they, they, they people couldn't act but i still enjoyed the movie so like it's such a weird fucking thing that you will like harp on with sherry zombie but it's just like like the quentin tarantino foot thing where it's like people just fucking they just there's like one thing that people like see and they just keep bringing it up it's like it's like fucking it's like the most unoriginal person you know with a joke where they just keep telling the same fucking joke over and over again like it's just like yeah no i've heard it thanks we're good you can fuck off now <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it is what it is, but like yeah he, he he still i was even late in his career like he still had it like it, no I yeah I, I, I definitely think yeah no he's 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 never i don't yeah no as to, to use the your, your one of your uh the parlance of you uh he understood the assignment each and every time um, like even when he was doing kind of like schlockier stuff. So it's like, yeah, no, I definitely like, I, I feel like the dude's still underrated. Like, even if you like take, which I think is, again, I think it's unfair to take, uh, um, Poltergeist off the table because yeah. I think it's one of his best works. But even if you take that off the table, I still think that his career is super strong. Like, I think that the, it's like, even if like, again, like even if he's making something, that isn't necessarily like what I'm using air quotes high art. 
um, like spontaneous combustion, he's still making a solid film. Yeah. Like, it still works. Like, it's still constructed well. It's still executed well. Like, because he also co-wrote it in addition to directing it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so it's like, it, to me, it's fucking weird as shit that, like, he's kind of almost the redheaded stepchild of those dudes. Because not even about, like, the, your whole, like, the four, the four horsemen thing. Like, just the masters. Like, like, all those dudes who were, like, the fucking, the guys, essentially, of horror, um, of the peak of horror, for to a large extent. Like, he is kind of weirdly, like, the most kind of, like, disrespected, which I think is really fucking unfair. Like, I think that, like, this movie especially is a really good example, despite the fact that, again, it gets been either forgotten or maligned. It's a really good example of how you take something that probably shouldn't really, like, have existed at that time, but you still managed to make it work because you directed it well, you wrote it well, and you cast fucking Brad Dourif in it. And, like, so it's like you just you did everything you could, and you can't control the audience. Yeah, like like I was I was gonna mention to you this this to you like way before, but uh, I think it's most appropriate to do now. It's like in comparison to like uh uh like the whole um like a tour the the group of tours like from the seventies uh like I, I I'm gonna take Lucas off the table because like Lucas I mean although he's directed like he's not really primarily looked upon as a filmmaker, so you have uh. Spielberg, Scorsese, Coppola, and De Palma. In my eyes, uh, Craven would be Spielberg because he's obviously the most successful out of all of them. Uh, Carpenter would be Scorsese. In my eyes, uh, Romero would be uh, Coppola, and Toby would be uh, De Palma, which is yeah. the, the the one yeah the one that the people don't look as uh, highly upon, but like it's still as sharp. I mean, to be totally, totally transparent and fair, like it's as you know, I'm not the biggest De Palma guy. Um, but like, no, but also I think that he has a similar quality to De Palma, where um, like De Palma doesn't have like a specific, like despite the fact everybody always kind of like clowning on him. Uh, I guess it is kind of like Toby, Jesus. Um, everybody kind of clowning, yeah. clowning on him for like certain things, like let's say the Hitchcock thing or whatever the fuck else. um, He doesn't have like a specific thing that he does. Like he does Carrie, he also does Scarface. He does Body Double. Like he does like Mission Impossible. He does like things that are all very different from one another, but all work. Bonfire of Vanities. Um, okay, now you just punctured a hole in my argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, like you know, like his 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 resume is real, like distinct. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, you know, um, as 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 Toby's and all that stuff. But like they they knew exactly what to to add to the film to make it work. Well, in, in the Palmas case, not the bonfire, the vanities. Um, <laughs> like that's the see that's the that's the that's the thing that uh, Toby uh, uh, avoided, where it's just like De Palma was like I want to make a comedy and he made a comedy and it sucked. <laughs> I mean, but I don't think it sucked. Either. I think it's just like you know. Well, if you um, watch like the De Palma documentary, he basically talks about like the things that went wrong during the initial making of that movie, like, even the, before they even started making it, like the things like in terms of casting and stuff. 
where he was just like, he knew it was going to work going into it, but he was just like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like when you're a part of a movie and you're just like, yeah, this is this is going to end up sucking real bad, but I'm stuck with it. So let's just try to make the best of this. And then you like, you know, uh, uh, you got uh, a burgeoning star among. Well, he was he, Willis was basically a big star at that point. You know what I'm saying? And he made it known on set with his demands. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, it is what it is. But like, yeah, you know, both of them are like, as you mentioned before, considered like the redheaded stepchild of like their contemporaries. And in, in both cases, it's it's incredibly unfair because uh, they're just as sharp as great as uh, the, the rest of their, their clique. And, you know, uh, I mean, you see, you always see Carpenter get his flowers. Craven always gets his flowers. Romero always gets his flowers. And I think it's time... The Toby starts getting his flowers in abundance because he really fucking deserves them. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it sucks that, you know, he, he's not looked upon as greatly as the others because he's just as great as they are. You know? We can join Patrick Bromley in, in singing his praises and did joining the the Hooper army. The Toby army, if you will. Wait, isn't he is he isn't he running a show with uh, uh Heather Wixon uh of uh, a podcast about uh Toby Hooper's movies? Uh I think it's Hanging with Toby Hooper. Um where the the they're going through his filmography and shit. Uh I'm definitely going to check that out. I haven't Well, yeah, plus he even did the uh commentary on uh Tick 3 uh for, or, sorry, sorry, Tick 2 for uh Vinegar Syndrome. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, shit, I totally forgot about that. So it's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, he definitely got that podcast coming out, uh, with him and Heather Wicks and, and, uh, I, I haven't started listening to it yet, but I'm definitely going to check it out because, um, you know, I'm saying both of them are just incredible voices, uh, especially the Heather Wicks on, uh, horror. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, she's got those books about like, you know, the, the, the history of, of makeup effects and that stuff, which is, you know, uh, she's got like two volumes, I believe of those books and, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, two incredible voices talking about uh, a pure master of filmmaking and all that stuff. So I definitely want to check that out, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, uh, Toby deserves all his fucking flowers. And um, I think like it's, it's, it's about time we start giving it to him. And not just on like his most fondly remembered work, because we already did uh, Texas Chainsaw. But like something that, you know, has clearly been forgotten, but like deserves a lot more light shed on it. So like... If you can, just uh, you know, I mean, it's on YouTube. Uh, I was gonna say. Not, not through not through legal means, but like perfectly legal means. Um, that, that that like Patrick mentioned earlier, uh, the highly expensive is the the code red uh, Blu-ray that has that went out of print, and like the cheapest I could find it was like forty something dollars. Yeah, I think I saw like fifty or something on eBay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I found. Uh, 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 was it cheesy flicks uh, version of it, which is which is a uh, perfectly legal <laughs> <laughs> copy of the movie that was considerably cheaper, so I got that one. Um, I would prefer to get like uh, you know the the code. Billy really looked out on you. <laughs> he, no, he, he didn't. He didn't really. He just like oh, I forgot they made a boot of this almost immediately, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I would have loved to get the other one, but this one was considerably cheaper, so I got this. But like, hopefully, like you know, uh, somebody else will release it soon. You know, maybe not shout because I doubt like you know they've they've moved on from that. But like you know, somebody else definitely could could look upon this and be like, yeah, well, we'll put that out again. 
I mean, I think uh, I would be a good fit for like Terror Vision or like Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. Like, I like even like I, I thought Vinegar Syndrome, but then it's like, yeah. Like, Terror Vision would probably be a, a, a nice place to for it to go because Terror Vision is, is putting out some, some really good stuff. Um, I did, uh, um, Henderson recently showed, uh, his, uh, like the, they're working on the, the, the film, the jar. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, they're doing a, like a, a, a beautiful, uh, transfer of it. And it looks gorgeous. Cause like the, the only way that they've the seen the jar was like this fucking terrible, uh, like, uh, uh, VHS transfer of it. And it just looked God awful. Um, and then like he showed a side by side with like the work they're doing on it now and Shannon looks gorgeous. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're saying, we, we, I'm saying this like people know what the fuck the jar is. <laughs> You'll find out soon enough. Like the the the, the jar is the, the jar is a great what the fuck is this type of movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, having said that. Um, this has been uh, Chains of the Claws. If you've enjoyed it, obviously you can. You already found it on a social media platform, or I'm sorry, on a podcast platform. Um, but if you decide to look for another one, you probably can, because um, we're on all the major ones, whether they be Amazon, Audible, uh, Apple, Spotify is our home, but whatever. Um, and then on terms of social media, we're everywhere, including Facebook now. Um, so any place you choose to follow us, you can probably do it there and we will catch you in the next one, which will also involve Brad Dourif. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.